Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Kristen Corbacero, an Integrated Media Planning Manager at MEC. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 21. It's the last push before the holidays, so whether you're clawing through finals or the last deliverables before you can put up your out-of-office email, I hope you're able to finish strong. On my end, we released the We Are Next 2017 recap yesterday. I had a lot of fun putting together the video and playing content creator for, for a couple days, and even more fun sharing it with our We Are Next community, all the guests, contributors, industry advocates that have given advice over the last year, educators, and of course you, our wonderful listeners and subscribers. It brought back so many warm memories from the past year, sort of like an episode of This Is Your Life, which is like a really old show from back in the day that I don't even really remember, but I always use it as a reference for just something that brings back all these people that you may not think about day to day, but once you think back on one interaction or conversation you had, it just fills you with such warm feelings and and memories. If you haven't seen it, I'll include the link in the show notes for this episode so you can take a look. Our guest, Kristen Corbacero, is an integrated media planning manager at Wavemaker, which was formerly MEC. She opened up and brought wisdom and advice well beyond her years in the industry on networking, team dynamics, and finding meaning in what she does. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Thanks so much for having me here today in the oh. office. You're like smack dab in the middle of Times Square. No, we literally are in the middle of New York. It's the heart <laughs> of it. And what's funny is not only do I work here, I also basically live in Midtown. So, so you're it's probably like, just like very used to navigating like the crazy. Oh, navigating the crazy and also falling asleep with like a thousand sirens going off every five <laughs> seconds. So I'm a well, well adap- adapted uh, New Yorker. <laughs> So we connected through Nick. He's contributed to We Are Next. He was like wonderful enough to volunteer and he wrote a great guest email like a while ago when We Are Next was kind of first getting off the ground. And so we had never met, but he just sort of raised his hand and was like, I want to be involved. And so we've sort of kept in touch and then he put us in touch. Yeah, he's great. So I actually, he's my mentor through the T212 mentorship program okay, in yeah. New York. Yeah, yeah. So him and I have probably known each other for almost a year now and you know we meet up get breakfast every month it's really great and gives me a perspective of what's going on in his world in the industry so I've heard really good things about that program yeah so I randomly applied for this program it was someone had been like oh the applications are out why don't you go and apply so I did and uh, they pair you up with someone who is doing a role that you might be interested in. So he works in business development, right. and I kind of wanted to get an earful about that. So they connected us, and then nice. he connected you and I. So that's what. That's how it works, right? Brings <laughs> us here. That's how the cookie crumbled. Right. So let's start at the beginning. Um, I'd love to know how you made your way into the industry, how you found advertising and, and media specifically, and, and how you ended up in your first, first role. Right. So that's a great story. So. It kind of goes back for me to college. Um, I went to SUNY Geneseo in upstate New York. And when I was looking at my majors, I kind of got the pressure from my parents to do something practical. Mm -hmm. But for me, I was always more interested in communications, English. If I had my way, I would have doubled in English and philosophy. (laughs) But what ended up happening is I double majored in business and communications. Um, For me, I felt like that was able to blend 
the science of business and that practical aspect of things, mm-hmm. and then the art of communication on that more personal, emotional level. And then when I looked at what that would be in a career, the first thing that came to mind was advertising. So it's funny because I think as a college student, I definitely didn't understand um, what advertising was. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of, in my mind, it was like, oh yeah, you create the ads and they get put somewhere and they're great and cool and all these campaigns are really impressive. But um, once I kind of graduated and got my first job, I was like, oh my goodness, there's so much more to this. Um, And how I got my first job is I actually was working at a pizzeria throughout college. Mm -hmm. um, And, you know, I can just say from the get-go, whenever you're in a job, whether it's working in a pizzeria or the a high-end internship at Microsoft, like it pays off so much to be the best person you can be in any role because I literally got my first job through a connection I made working behind the counter, serving this guy his salad and single garlic knot every single day. (laughs) So every time I would come back from school, um, I would go and work in between semesters. We had the same customers every day showing up for lunch. So I had relationships that I built with them and they would ask me how school is. And once I graduated, there were so many people super enthusiastic about reaching out and making connections for me. Mm -hmm. So I was passing my resume around everywhere. My one hit was um, with a company that's now known as Intersection, um, formerly known as Titan. Mm -hmm. They did out-of-home sales. So that was my very first job. I was a sales coordinator working for two national account executives who were selling um, out-of-home inventory to brands like Sprint, uh, other ones like T-Mobile, and my favorite was, um, what's this, Converse. which was a lot of fun so I definitely got some exposure there and that was the first time I got to really experience my first job Mm -hmm. so awesome yeah well how would you describe your role here as an associate media planner so my role here is an integrated planning manager but when I first came to MEC that entry-level role is an associate um so, and the, the, how I made that switch, I think, is, like, really important to call out, too, yeah. is because it's the importance of your network. Um, once I was, I was in my role mm-hmm. at um, Titan, but I felt like I had learned as much as I could working yeah. in the out-of-home realm. And at that point, we had spent a lot of times, obviously, working with our clients who were agencies. Yep. We weren't client direct because when you're on, in the vendor side of things, you're often working with agencies over the brands directly. Mm-hmm. And I, my interest piqued to find out like what else was out there in the agency world. Right. So I just started talking to my friends about like, oh, you know, I'm really curious. I've been kind of poking around jobs, but I didn't want to force anything. Um, and through that, one of my friends was like, hey, this guy used to, he was working at MEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you should have a conversation with him. They're looking to fill some roles. And he connected us. And I started my entry-level position at MEC here as an associate planner. I mean, your whole story from like, college to like, what you just went through, it has so much to do with the connections you've made, as you mm-hmm. said. And I think that's so telling. And I, I think as... When you talk with students, like when I talk with students, it's the challenge is like when you are in school, you feel like you don't have that network yet, right? You have to start it somewhere. But mm-hmm. I think your example of working in a you know pizza shop and that really can be formed 
anywhere. It doesn't have to be like within the four walls of an agency. Right, exactly. And I, I found that since I graduated and since I've kept up with different alumni and my own friends, um, the people who have excelled Mm -hmm. and gone a little bit further, maybe in the short time since we've graduated are the ones who have recognized that networking is not this big, scary thing. It is literally just the coffee chat you have Mm -hmm. with someone or one of your friends and just bringing up and being honest and open about what you're interested in because people once they feel that like you truly are trying to get somewhere they can't help but want to help you right so especially yeah if they've made that sort of more personal emotional connection Mm -hmm. with you as a person if they Mm -hmm. just like like you and like seeing your smiling face as you like serve them pizza then you know they they're emotionally invested. Exactly. And that's even for me, like when someone tells me something that they're interested, I happen to just have a lot of friends who are involved in music. Okay. I can't, I'm not musically inclined. Like I'm not trying to make music or do anything like that. <laughs> but because I know other people, even though that's not my sphere, if someone approaches me and just, you know, very casually just talks about their interests and it happens to be music, I'm yeah. more inclined to go and be like, hey, I know X, Y, and Z doing right. this. So right. it's, it's really, it's, networking is, I, th- I honestly think we should, like, kill the word networking, but we won't. But it's it's no, just right? more relationship building. I know. We have to figure out a better way to say it. <laughs> like, <laughs> because, I mean, I have that in my, like, lectures that I do at schools, too. It's, like, networks are made out of nodes, which are, like, totally cold and, like, inhuman and sterile. And mm-hmm. that's really not what, what networking is about. So... Your role here as an integrated media planner, can you describe sort of some of your responsibilities, how you work with other people uh, within the agency, how you work with their clients? Right. So as a media planner, you are the central hub when it comes to the relationship between the agency and your client. Mm-hmm. As an integrated media planner at MEC here, that means you work on both digital channels and traditional channels. So. It seems like in today's day and age, that's like a no-duh. You kind of need to know both digital and traditional media Mm -hmm. to create a great plan for your clients. But some clients will go and only do traditional media with one agency or they'll have digital planning done by another agency. So I'm lucky enough to work on a client where we go and plan all their media formats for the most part. Mm -hmm. So that includes national broadcast, local broadcast across both TV and radio, search, social, display, mobile, video media, um, print media. Mm-hmm. Gosh, there's a lot. <laughs> it's like the list goes on. We even have, yeah. an, we have an SEO team for our client, and we have, um, did I forget any of the basic ones? I, I probably did. Oh, prospecting email. Ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then we work with, um, so even on the planning team, so, The client will give us the briefs, Mm -hmm. will break down what their objectives are from both a business level, a marketing level, and then even a media level, Mm -hmm. because they'll have their marketing objectives, but that branches off into their communication objectives, which is what the creative agencies will go and work on, and then the media objectives, which is what obviously here at MEC we do, Mm -hmm. but we need to also make sure that we are constantly communicating with the creative agencies to make sure that their comms objectives align with our media KPIs. So kind of we break that down, we flesh that out, we form a strategy to go and answer the brief. Mm -hmm. And then once that strategy is put together, that's where the planning team has to go and brief 
all of the different channel teams because they're all broken out. I see. So if you think about it, an integrated media planner is the very center of a spider web. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of have always holistically seen our role. And we're all about connecting the dots to create the final story that answers our clients' brief and what they need to do. Yeah, that's a, I, that, I love that analogy. And when you were first describing it, it just seems like the most zoomed out overhead, like 6,000 mm-hmm. feet above view of everything that's going on. And, mm-hmm. and I imagine to put your arms around that and needing to understand all the different channels, even if you're not part of the channel team specifically, that you understand like the strengths and the, you know, how to pull the different levers so that the spider web is, you know, most structurally sound and won't fall apart if like one thing. Right. And that's why I honestly, I eat this roll up. Like yeah. I love the fact that I was able to move from working on the sales side in just at-home media, mm-hmm. which is a very small part of a lot yes. of budgets most of the times, yep. depending on the client. Um, but then I stepped into this world where I literally had to learn mm-hmm. at the basic level and even, you know, get even on, on the nitty gritty in some areas, yeah. how all these different media channels work in and of themselves mm-hmm. and then together. Right. For example, when you're purchasing a lot of TV and you're going to have a huge TV play across this, the, the nation, mm-hmm. you need to up your search budget so that you're capturing all of that increased traffic that may happen from your TV. So it's like it's different like little things like that where the dots connect further. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to when I started here at MEC I was on a client and I still am on a client where we have every single channel under our um, you know our partnership. There's other clients in this building who the planners are only doing maybe three media channels. Mm -hmm. So for me you know if I, if I had to look back and see if I had picked a different account to work on sure. when I was here, I'm so happy I made the choice I made because as a younger employee, as an entry, more of an entry-level person, I got my hands into more information right. a lot sooner, right. which is going to benefit me for my entire career moving forward. Totally. One thing I think that is a little bit um, obscure, maybe like confusing for students or people just starting out about media specifically is, so you're an example of someone who works at like a dedicated media agency, Mm -hmm. right? And you work with other agencies, Mm -hmm. creative agencies to partner for the clients, right? Then there are other media planners who work in agency, right? Mm -hmm. As like part of the agency team. I don't know if you, and we can throw this away if 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 you don't, but because I know you've, you've had your experience here, mm-hmm. if you perceived any differences or any, if you could speak to, I guess, the differences between a media planner who works at an agency versus one that works in sort of a dedicated media agency where media is what MEC does? So that is a great question because that's something that I often think about. And um, where we are today with the media landscape, especially when content, custom content, and um, a lot of media partnerships that we have with brands and publishers, um, where it's not the creative agency creating these video units or any of these custom content native articles. Mm -hmm. It's the publisher working with the media agency to create them. That in and of itself begs 
us to play nice with the creative agencies more and more Mm -hmm. Um, because they, the creative agencies, a lot of the time are the ones who made the brand platform. They're the ones who work very closely with the brand to make sure that all their communications are unified to the point. There's brand guidelines for a reason so that you've got consistent communication across all your different units. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, that's just one pillar of why, you know, I think when you're working, when you're at a a full service agency, it's probably a lot easier because you're all on the same team. Mm -hmm. You're in the same office, hopefully, being able to consistently collaborate. When briefs come in, you get them together. There's just that increased sense of collaboration. Now, this is all like I've never been in that environment. Sure, sure. So this is me just like thinking of what it's like. Right, your perception of it. Yeah, and like in a full service world. And I do at some point would like to experience that. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that it doesn't work when it's two sure. separate agencies. Because even on my business, um, so both the creative, one of the creative agencies on my client and MEC are within WPP, yep. one of the holding companies. And we actually won a partnership award nice. through WPP for our collaboration. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, once if you're if you've got it really comes down to people because once you realize it's not creative agency versus us sure. or anything like that you realize you just kind of have to work together to put the best product forward yeah. that product being your campaign right i've had experience on the agency side where every agency that i've worked at has not had in-house media capabilities mm-hmm. so it's just not something that they wanted to build out mm-hmm. and so when we work with clients yeah, there might be situations where we get paired up with a, a sister agency within within the holding company. Um, oftentimes, we just had to partner up with the media agency that the client had on roster, right? right? And it's very, I mean, you don't choose these agencies. They chose the agencies, and maybe it's a new relationship. Maybe it's right. a very longstanding one, and you sort of have to learn how to work together in the best way. And it's right. definitely, I could, I mean, I would assume, too, that it's easier if everyone's on the same team and everyone's mm-hmm. under the same roof. Um, but I think you know, figuring out how to work with, with other agencies is, is part of it. And if the partnership works, then, I mean, it's all in service of, of the client and right. doing good work for them. Well, even to that, it's we kind of have to today. Because when you even look at, like, this is getting real technical, but when you look <laughs> at dynamic creative capabilities, yeah. that is literally marrying media capabilities with creative capabilities. Yeah. And if you don't have a good working relationship with your creative agency and your media agency in that sense, it's going to be really hard to try and do these very targeted, audience-segmented right. buys. Right. Um, but that's that's nitty-gritty. <laughs> <laughs> so you were promoted to manager at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. What was that transition like, and what were some of the biggest challenges in stepping into more of a manager role here? That's a great question. So I definitely have had... Um, a blessed opportunity of just being able to work on the same team. So I've been at MEC for almost three years, and within that time period, I got promoted from associate to senior associate within nine months, and then a year and a half or so later is when I got promoted to manager, Mm -hmm. and that was all within the same team. So and that in and of itself is unique. because a lot of people, when they get promoted, they're moving on to different teams. Sure. So transitioning from senior associate to manager on the same team was fun because I was still, I was already doing 
some of the manager work just mm-hmm. because it was something I had been seen to be capable of doing. Right. And I always liked the challenge, so I would ask to do more challenging work. Right. So the transition came from me more letting go of tasks that I didn't need to do because they were truly senior associate roles, Mm -hmm. holding on to those more challenging tasks I had picked up as a senior associate. And now it's been a new, just a very new way of looking at the different things I can be involved in in the manager role, which includes higher level conversations about uh, the larger strategy Mm -hmm. um, for the brand, whether it comes to their national campaigns for the following fiscal year, um, or even how we're integrating CRM data. I get to kind of lead those conversations with the different vendors and things like that. Um, So for me, the transition, I can't say it's been challenging because I'm fired up by it sure so it's 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 not challenging in the sense where it's hard it's more uh, I get to use my brain in a different way right. and it's less of the uh, you know kind of very important day-to-day work that needs to get done and mm-hmm. it's I tell my associate this all the time I'm like yep you may be super bored by what you're doing but you are the backbone of the account right now yeah. if you didn't do what you were doing every single day right. things would fall apart and we wouldn't be able to have even cooler discussions about what we can bring in for the brand. Right. Um, so it's it's nice to be able to kind of get rid of that backbone work on my own plate. Sure. So it's yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Well, I had a couple follow-up questions to that. I mean, one, you mentioned a couple things around, you know, already wanting to do that type of work that was mm-hmm. like of the next level up because you were just kind of hungry for it mm-hmm. and you felt like you were capable of it, so people were giving it to it already. Is there anything else that you would attribute, you know, your kind of like fast growth or fast progression through MEC to, you know, like a few promotions in, in three years, that's like a lot, you know, yeah. by the standards of this industry. Is there anything else that you would kind of point to and say, I think that's why that happened? Yeah, I think for me it's um – being curious mm-hmm. and being passionate. Um, I definitely, and I've seen this with other people too, if you're the type of person who approaches your career as something that you're just eager to consistently learn something new every day yeah. and actually do the work, um, people notice that. People recognize when people are hand raisers. Yeah. They recognize when people truly want to learn and move forward. So for me, I've always been that kind of person, an overachiever, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, not to say that like that's the only reason I was successful, because I've seen people who maybe aren't as like crazy overachiever <laughs> as I am do very well for themselves. Sure. But that's definitely a huge part of it. How about if you're comfortable talking about it? You know, I, and I've seen this in the past um, with other people at agencies I've worked at where when there is someone on a team that kind of has a fast growth path and everyone has, you know, mm-hmm. their own pace and, and, and it's very individualized and that's great. Um, you know, there's definitely a shift in dynamics when someone gets promoted mm-hmm. and, and stays within the same team, as you mentioned, because maybe someone who was kind of your equal or more senior than you suddenly finds that, you know, you're on the same level. It just, you know, right. there's, and, and title is, just a title, but but still, there's. I think there is that kind of perception and dynamic shift. Right, and that's a fair question, and it's a very real question mm-hmm. um, that I think that, you know, it would be a miss not to ask. Um, yeah. I go back to the fact that I have been very blessed to be on the team I'm on because the culture within my team 
within the agency. So yeah. this is like, okay, agency culture. Right. And then team culture. And mm-hmm. actually, I do want to call that out for a second because I think yeah. it's really important for people to know. It's when you start a job at an agency, the culture is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everyone knows that as they're going into their interviews today sure. and now. But the step further is that when you know you're going to be in a certain team, mm. you want to get an understanding of that team culture too because yeah. that plays a huge role on what your experience is going to right. be like. And I walked into a team where I was able to honestly show up every single day as my authentic self. Professionally. Sure. <laughs> but my authentic self. Yep. And that is crucial to how I've been able to progress mm-hmm. um, because we really, on my team, developed an environment where when I got promoted, our structure our structure in my team is director, three managers, two senior associates, and mm-hmm. one associate. So the three managers, when I got promoted, um, one manager had moved to the investment team, um, so he did a lateral move. Mm-hmm. Another manager had left to go to a different opportunity. That's great for her. Um, and then the third manager, who is still on the team, had... You know, she was a manager when I had come on the team as an associate. Right, right. So I've been working alongside her as I've made these changes. Right. So that's, you know, for her, that was a different dynamic every step of the way because sure. here I was learning from her, and now her and I are working side by side. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of a relationship. Then also the senior associate that I had been working alongside with, um, I've she's had a, like one or two more years in the industry. Yep. Um, than I have um, but again that's the dynamic of me moving up then maybe over her and if that causes any rifts because that's a real thing people have um, you know you think about it yeah and then uh, my associate moved into my role and that was more of a seamless role yeah um, seamless transition so to say and it could have been weird but because we have such good relationships yeah. and we're, we cheer each other on and we celebrate and we recognize the work that we do every day, yeah. um, it was fine. Yeah. It was absolutely fine. I think that's such a great answer I mean, on so many levels. I mean, the first thing that you said about um, team culture, I know I'm going back a tiny bit, but team culture within agency culture and the fact that it's not always like exactly the same, you know what I mean? Like hopefully it's shades of, you know, you, the team culture sort of trickles down from the agency culture, but it even gets like more specific because these are the people who you work with every single day who are managing your growth and really mm-hmm. determining, yeah, the person that you're becoming, you know, both as a person and as like an employee. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a really good point to, for people who are interviewing as they start meeting people on the team to really be asking those questions around the team dynamics and how people feel about sort of the mm-hmm. relationships between the team mm-hmm. within the agency. Um, and then your second point around making sure, I mean, whether or not you were intentional about this, but like you said something about like celebrating like this smaller moment. So it's not just like when someone gets promoted and obviously that's a really great thing that mm-hmm. everyone should be, you know, hopefully is supportive, but along the way, you know, those small wins or, you know, the small achievements, not just so that everyone does feel good about what they're doing and and how they're growing, but also, I mean, just for, like, morale's sake, I feel like, yeah, it's easy to celebrate big pitch wins, Mm -hmm. but maybe it's a kind of a long time between pitch wins. You know, you go through phases where, you know, the batting average is low or whatever, and, like, you know, it, it... 
Um, but there are, if you look for them, there are smaller wins kind of in the everyday that can be celebrated on a team. And I do think they, they add up and go a long way. Right. And something um, that we actually, that I actually had my team do a couple weeks ago because we kind of hit one of those rough patches. Yeah. And mind you, this is not just the planning team I laid out, the six of us. This is the 40 people that we actually do interact with, mm-hmm. go back to the spider web. Right. <laughs> um, in one of our weekly statuses, um, you know, the planning team is a central hub, as I said. Yep. Comes back to culture. The planning team has a good culture and is a good foundation. That's infectious. Yeah. And then the rest of the people that you're bringing in from the different channels will be influenced by the heart of that client team. Right. Um, so that's important in and of itself. Um, but equally, if we're stressed, they feel that stress too. So we took time in one of our statuses a couple weeks ago to, um, I put a white paper on the board Mm -hmm. and had post-it notes all over the table and Sharpies. And we took 10 minutes to go and write out the positive wins that anyone had had that month and their favorite memories or anything that just, when they show up to work, they're happy to be there. Mm -hmm. And we, people put them up on the board and then we, walk through them and they were hysterical and it's just even recognizing when it's important to on a daily basis give each other the high fives but take a step back to be like wow it's been really overwhelming lately let's do a bigger display of kind of shifting that morale Mm -hmm. so that that is that is like truly very important to just have that level of um awareness uh to kind of see because at the end of the day and this is to your point about again culture yeah and also about work-life balance, because I'm going to throw this in there too. It's a new, sure. it's a new theory that I really, honestly feel has contributed to like the experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. If you're going to want to work in this industry, you are going to spend a lot of time at the office. Yeah. It is definitely a work hard, play hard industry, but the work aspect of it, it is not your typical nine to five. It can be people. There are people on accounts in this building who I'm like, how do you do that? How are you leaving by five? Right. That's great. Six o'clock or whatever. They're out the door. For yeah. me, that's not. I work way over forty hours a week, mm-hmm. um, but I'm happy. See, yeah. and that's that's because of kind of throwing that. Oh, I'm going to talk about work at work and not my personal life like outside the office, like you kind of have to create, like get rid of that wall mm-hmm. because when you spend so much time with people in the office and you yeah. are going to be working late nights, they need, you all need to kind of understand what's going on outside of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that way there's that good communication, that open balance of, oh, hey, I know on this night you need to go off and do this thing. Right, right. Um, and it's not like the, oh, well, she didn't stay here late. Why? Blah, right, blah, right. blah. Because you know why. You know that she likes to play softball every three weeks and it's super important to her and she needs to leave at 5.30 to do that. Right. It's like you know that person has that about them. And mm. I think certain people who I see haven't really advanced maybe as quickly ironically are the people who kind of keep more to themselves and it's it's not it's interesting because as people look as college students look to come into this industry there is a huge personality factor of being in an environment where you are more team oriented Mm -hmm. that you can't expect to show up put your headphones on all day yeah. and clunk away at work because right. it's not realistic. Right. So our, my team isn't full of those people like, yeah, we have our quiet moments where we'll all go sit somewhere else and do work. Sure. But for the most part, you're social. Yeah. I think it's such a good point to call out 
one, like how much time we, we spend together mm-hmm. and the importance of, yes, like liking the people that you work with, but really knowing them on, on a little deeper level. So you mm-hmm. can under, because all, all we do is uh, act and react to each other, right? And the reaction part of it, I think, is, is how the relationships build because, mm-hmm. you know, you control the way that you react to things mm-hmm. and, and how you read people. Mm-hmm. And so if you have that kind of deeper understanding of, like, why she's walking out the door at 530 and, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, yeah, I po- think it's... Yeah, sorry, I'm going to just... That's, no. It's so funny because I have a post-it note on my desk um, that says, don't react, respond. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, we do react to things very quickly, but that respond part of it is when you do really take a moment to breathe or like take a moment, think, and it's like, oh yeah, she's leaving because of this, because you took the time to have that personal connection be built. So let's talk about someone who's a student or at the beginning of their career and they're interested in media. What sort of qualities do you think makes a great media planner or what can people start to do I guess in the beginning sort of hone the skills or traits that you feel like makes you good at what you do Mm -hmm. so I think it's definitely important to know that project management essentially is what media planning is Mm -hmm. Um, so you kind you need to basically be prepared to wrangle the things you need and put them together Mm -hmm. Um, because you essentially are the person who's going collecting connecting and creating things for your clients Um, so as far as organization skills go super important as far as knowing timelines and how to break things out and kind of have an idea of how much time you need to put in between different steps in a process Mm -hmm. time management super key because at the end of the day when you're getting deliverables from your other team members um, as a member of the planning team you're the one sending it out to the client so if it's late even though Joe Schmo on the display team was a little bit late to get you something that's not what the client's gonna see and nor should you tell them that oh sorry Joe Schmo on the display team didn't give this to me like it's not the way it works Um, so time management prioritization um, and even just being curious like if you if you're the type of person who doesn't want to learn things or I mean what what person doesn't want to learn things but it's like you really need to want to stay right ahead of the game right and like understand what's coming next because a media planner you're supposed to be the expert in the trends that are happening the new unit format that snapchat might be doing like sure your social team might tell you that but you need to know about it too the fact that across search google's tracking physical visits now like you need to have that curiosity and willingness to make room in your brain to have all this new information kind of get downloaded into it um there's so many things that a media planner honestly like skills that you need to have to be one but the the most beautiful thing is that they're all transferable Mm -hmm. so it's like if you're a media planner everything that you're doing in this role is the kind of skills that you could kind of pick up and take with you to a completely different industry if sure. you want because it is part of that project management. So if you were to go and look at like the skills of a project manager, that's what a media planner has to do. Yeah. I love what you said about, you know, the curiosity and, and awareness of what's happening in media. And I feel like advertising is so, it's so tied to 
human behavior and the things that we're interacting with and that mm. change is always evolving right mm. with new technology and, and new media and stuff like that and so I mean it seems like it's obvious but to stay have to stay close to that and be sort of the expert on that for your clients and right. for for the rest of the team um, I think that that totally rings true like of, of all the roles I mean yes like when you're at a creative agency you need to have an awareness of it so you can come up with ideas but like media is like okay we're actually like putting things in real places right and so um, right. it gets really like um not technical but like nitty-gritty and like you said in terms of like the unit format or like the right. specs for for this oh well and it's even honestly i think in today's day and age being a media planner is so much more than it meant yeah years ago because media is retail yeah literally you can buy products on shoppable units <laughs> yeah. so it's as far as how people may have thought, like, oh, let's just put a 30-second TV ad up and that's it. No, it's it's retail experiences are now your experiential act- right. activations. Like, right. it's just we are the medium for shopping yeah. at this point. And it's only going to get more, like, integrated in certain ways. And if it, I honestly feel like as a media planner, my role is only going to move more and more into, like, even corporate strategy. Right. Because we're even dictating, like, all right, your logistics play a role in this, whether you have product feeds to feed into PLAs, which are those search ads that you see that come up on Google yeah. or anything like that. It's it's just it, it's so fun. Like, it's honestly, it's just such a fun place to be and such an important role to be in. Yeah. Um, I roll my eyes at myself uh, just because it's like, okay, like, you can work for certain brands and you're just still just putting ads out and it may not be, like, doing, you know, the big old saving the world kind of thing. Sure. But I, I do think that working in media, we have the power to put really powerful messages in front of people, mm-hmm. um, especially when you have the opportunity to work on clients who may have more of a social impact kind sure. of uh, aspiration yeah. and stuff like that. I think we all have to find our own meaning in advertising, and it might not necessarily be the actual work that you're putting out, but, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not projecting this onto you, but, you know, someone who is so excited about where, where you're putting messages in new ways out to the right people, mm-hmm. you know, no matter which client it's for, I mean, that can be enough to, to say like, yeah, I'm doing something meaningful because I am so excited about this, this space and, and mm-hmm. what we could do. Well, and even that, I find meaning, if not in the ads we produce, I find meaning in the role I'm in. Mm-hmm. The role I'm in where I am learning how to interact in a team, as yep. we've already talked about, and where I'm literally a student of media yeah. by getting having to learn everything. Yeah. So it's like in certain ways you can always create your own meaning because everything I'm learning now, I can eventually go and Apply find it to, a job mm-hmm. with a social impact client that yeah. speaks to me and my right. values. Totally. That millennial purpose stuff that we keep hearing about. Yes. <laughs> so there's an aspect of media planning, media buying, media in general that involves, I guess I'll call it schmoozing for lack of a better word, with vendors who will often kind of bring you perks and, and gifts to try to, you know, build relationships but also convince you to buy, buy their media. Um, and another media planner that I spoke with a while ago mentioned that when you know she first started out, she wasn't quite sure like what the etiquette was as a planner when that starts to happen. I think mm-hmm. it's a pretty sudden thing, like all of a sudden you're being taken out and it sort of is professional but feels like 
fun and it's like this new kind of weird thing that you have to navigate. Um, so I was just wondering, wanted to hear your perspective and, and your thoughts on that aspect of, of media. Right. So I think it's totally true. When you're in a media agency, you are essentially buying a lot of inventory. And as a planner, even though you may not always have like the grand like grandness of being taken out yeah. because the investment teams really are who kind of get taken out more. Yeah. Um, planners still get taken out as well and we still get piggyback off of right. you know the investment team's fun kind of activities and right. outings that they go to since we're all one team, one dream. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but what's, what's super important and that I've honestly felt like a lot of people lose sight of is the fact that these people that you meet who work at the publishing sites or the different vendors, yeah. they're people. They're not just salesmen. They're people who will work in their role for a little bit and then might move somewhere else and work somewhere else. So essentially, it's it should be more about like the relationship that you're building with them. Yeah. Um, and I know that I try to look at whenever I go out with people, I want to get to know them on a human level. And it's, of course, there's going to be some vendors who come off as salesy. Yeah. And that's overwhelming. Nobody likes that. It's like, it's like that's just, you're in my face. I, at the end of the day, if I put you on the plan, I put you on the plan because you work on my plan. Right, right. Um, at least that's how it is with our teams. I, I have had conversations with people where you mentioned it. People actually are swayed by whether or not they're being taken out yeah. or being given, given something shiny. Yeah. Um, but I affectionately call that a media brat. <laughs> and I, my, I have a very strong opinion that, that that's not going to help you in your career. Yeah. If you're only in media to get taken out, great. But just know people will know that. Yeah. You probably will get in trouble at some point for it. Mm-hmm. And that shows what your priorities are in terms of whether you're here to get your job done and be a really good employee, a really mm-hmm. good person in media planning media whatever yeah um or just trying to get the freebies right um and the people that you go out with the vendors who are you know they've got budgets where they are allocated to building the relationships with different clients um they know they they know who's going to be in genuine yeah who's only there because you're giving them something yeah um i've had friendships become built through being taken out with vendors and that's what's cool yeah I like when you can genuinely enjoy going out for dinner with someone and that's what you should do (laughs) well thank you for that like honest perspective I feel like it's something that people don't really talk about it's just like understood that Mm -hmm. like oh media planners get taken out a lot and isn't that fun but I think yeah that there's I think your advice is really sound about focusing on on the people and, and the relationships and really trying to trying to build that instead of just going after the gifts and the perks and all that stuff. Yeah, the popping bottles. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of ridiculous when you think about it, actually. It's uh, fun, but definitely ridiculous. Yeah, right? When you, like, say it like that, you're like, oh, yeah, this is, like, part of the job. It's really funny. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap up with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. Yeah, this is a little uh, flowery, but it's definitely, <laughs> it's like my mantra. It's, um, may you see in what you do the beauty of your own soul. Mm from an Irish blessing Uh, one of my professors shared it with an English class I took in college and um, it's part of a bigger poem but I think it's really important because it kind of grounds you and brings you back to the moment so you understand like why you are doing what you're doing where Mm. you are in your life Um, 
and just a little check-in on happiness. Yeah, I, I mean, when things get tough, you need to understand like why you're doing what you're doing. Otherwise, it's so easy to unravel like mm-hmm. your job and you start mm-hmm. to question everything. And so mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think that's beautiful advice. Yeah. And again, the caveat is this isn't to say that I think I'm seeing the beauty of my own soul in my day-to-day <laughs> as a media planner, but tie it back to what I said earlier about being able to be a good team member, learning, yeah. staying curious. That's where I truly see my soul be activated, so to speak, in my role now. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. This was so wonderful. And I feel like I learned a lot, actually, about media. Again, having never worked, like at an agency that had media, so this was really enlightening. Where can people keep up with you or MEC? Mm-hmm. Um, so easy question. MEC is actually becoming Wavemaker. Oh. So we merged with oh, Maxis earlier in the year. So don't try to look for MEC. Okay. Um, if you listen to this post, like January, we're Wavemaker now. Okay. Um, but I can be found on LinkedIn. Um, I am on Instagram. My Instagram is totally public and it shows that you know personal and professional <laughs> kind of situation like I said because I think it should all be out there yep. um, and if you want to give my email out totally I'm happy to help anyone answer any questions yeah I'll definitely include all the links that you mentioned in the episode page and I I was going to say oh man I could have built in a question about um, the experience of merging but that'll have to be like a part two since you haven't gone through it yet like, no, yeah, that's no, also I don't like know a whole other thing like. <laughs> I'm excited though it'll be new friends in the office totally. so. that's a good a good way to look at it for sure anyways thank you again yeah thank you big thank you to Kristen I was thinking about her the other day because of all the scary stuff that was happening around Times Square and Port Authority but it seems like she's okay it's the absolute best when you can hear in a guest voice how excited and passionate they are about what they're doing. Since the interview is on the longer side, the last thing I'll say is that I am currently booking guests for Las Vegas January 9th through the 12th at CES. So if you or someone you know will be there and want to chat on the podcast, just let me know. Oh, last thing for real, I'm putting together a piece of special content that's especially relevant for students that's going out in next Monday's weekly email. So if you're not subscribed, now would be a great time to sign up. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. We're so close. You can do it. I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.